and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore 40k, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our Dukari from our Dark Angels, our Tyranids from our Tau, and our Craft Worlds from our Chaos Marines, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer 40k stuff? My name is Ben Chrome Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about 40k. With me is my co-host Christopher Crowlin Allen. Ahoy hoy. Who knows absolutely fuck all about 40k. Ahoy hoy. And my dear brother Darren. Hello. Who knows so much about 40k, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. Over the years, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that... Dunno. Ignorance! Oh, I thought it was a full stop. It was just like, this is an attempt to address that. (laughs) Full stop. Just be honest. Yeah, just that. I was just stunned into silence that... Darren didn't interrupt the intro. That was the smoothest intro. I'm going to go ahead and call that intro the most pedestrian we've ever done. Yeah, dull. Boring. Yeah, it did did feel like you were walking through it, mate. There was no pizzazz. Yeah, oh, yeah, mate. and you've you've really let the side down as well. I mean, well, I think well, no, I agree. I I, I kept quiet because uh, during every record, I'm constantly shouted at and harangued, dear listeners, <laughs> uh, by two reprobates who knew to try and be a bit more professional, Darren. And, and you can tell my level of professionality because I did an amusing voice instead of you know just speaking normally. I think me and Kral saying that you should be more professional has happened literally zero times. I, 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 <laughs> you aren't the one who needs to be more professional, mate. We just need you to stop <laughs> interrupting the intro. <laughs> Professionalism isn't what you're lacking. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I wasn't listening. What did you say? <laughs> hey, there he is. There he is. We're, we're at 70% dar. Let's see where that gauge goes from here. <laughs> Okay, okay. What did we listen to last week? You. Uh, you. <laughs> Droning on, you so, bastard. Okay, hang on. How many custodies are there? Crowl, you've got this. 10,000. Oh, 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 look at oh, didn't nailing even, it. Didn't even break a sweat. Fuck it. Come at me, bros. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my research. I've done okay. my research. Of those right. 10,000 then, of those 10,000... 300. How m- oh, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly where you are going with that question, too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they begin their initiation from about top, from about a toddler age. Stop reading um, it, crowd. <laughs> just do this on the top of your head. I can see you fucking eyes moving. Have you just wicked custodies again? <laughs> <laughs> just how 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 long do they have to stand there? What's the long? What's the the shift? They length? have to stand there indefinitely, but they can stand there motionless uh, with very little sustenance for many many years. Apart from if someone comes by with a cheeky twix, I thought it was <laughs> up to a year. Cheeky twix. I thought yeah, I thought custom. it was more. I, I thought it was could it could be over a year that they could be ready in action. Yeah. Just standing there, literally peeing and pooping. Into yeah. a kind of recycling because their stupid um, golden suits can take care of all that business. <laughs> yeah, uh, that doesn't strike me as stupid. That strikes me as very practical. But, yeah, sure. I, I'm. I mean, look, I'm doing it right now, and I'm not wearing the suit. <laughs> and it's, it's. I'm gonna have to deal with that later on. You know, if I had You're a golden d- suit, oof, if you had a be. choice between a, an enormous set of golden power armor that uh, recycles everything or a colostomy bag which would you choose go i thought you were going to say tank top i was like oh that's a tough <laughs> choice uh or a colostomy bag 
can I could I have part of the armor and the colostomy bag, like <laughs> the colostomy bag and the the, the shoulder pads? Uh, yes, but the colostomy <laughs> bag would have to be strapped to your mouth. Because <laughs> of all, because of all Fine. the shit you're talking. Sit down, Ben. All right, sit, go on. Sit down. Yeah, sit down, Ben, if you can. Oh, my <laughs> right, who else do we talk about? We talked about a collection of anti-psychic mutes. The Sisters of Silence. Yeah. Uh, who, and now, Chris, how many of them are there? The Sisters of Silence. Silence. <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> <laughs> They're pariahs, they are. Yeah. But how, how many are they? Several. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that we discussed the number. No, there, there wasn't a number. Um, Fantastic. It was a trick question, Krell. It was a trick question. To whom do the Sisters of Silence report? That's a good one. That is a good one. Is it Kral? High Lords of Terror? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> what, if it's Kral? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've often found most women are quiet around Kral. <laughs> and a bit beige. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and wishing they didn't have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> Pariah wannabes. <laughs> That's what you sound like. Um, <laughs> I think they answer to the High Lords of Terror. Is Ultimate, it? Ultimately, yes, the High Lords of Terror. Do they answer to the Inquisitors? Are they their line manager? Uh, well, I believe, as we've covered previously, everyone answers to the Inquisitors. Well, so, well, yeah, so the answer to both of those was yes, basically. But there's someone. There's someone specific. Next question. There is someone specific that he is getting at somewhere in that line of command. Mister Sister yes. of Silence. So no. Um. Well, uh, give, give some thought to then. What What is the function of the Sisters of Silence? What do they do? What's What are they uh, used for? They, they collect psychers. Yeah. Psychers. And who, and who processes psychers and uses psychers? Uh, the Emperor. For the Astronomicon. Oh, it's yes, it's the Astronomicon. It's the um, right. the Telepathica, the, the kind of um, clearing ah, house okay. where when the psychers come in, it's uh, it's literally cake or death uh, in terms of what they're going to be. You go, you go cake every time, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'll be a slice of gato, please. Well, no, you wouldn't <laughs> go cake every time because the emperor then eats you. It's death okay. or death, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's death, death or, or death. delayed death, which, what's it going to be? <laughs> delayed, delicious death. <laughs> no icing. Find icing too much. Just too, it's just pure sugar. Like, <laughs> Not an icing kind of dude. Who were the mysterious warriors clad in fire? They were. I, the, I know this. Go on, Ben. Is it the black? Nope. The, the Legion. Legion of the Damned. Of yeah. 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 Metal music playing in the background whenever they that was that was we we've never listened to metal music, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. What's that music? It sounds like a thrash banjo. What's that? <laughs> 
Can either of you remember the original chapter name for the Legion of the Damned from their very oh. first kind of um either Space Hawks or Firehawks? Oh <gasps> Firehawks. Chris. Wow. Crow, you are have you been have you changed something in your diet that's kind of increased memory, increased cognition? It's, it's some... Yeah. <laughs> He's eating brains. Easy. <laughs> I'm doing that thing that space marines do. Yeah, <laughs> I've eaten a bit of. Uh, you Darren. ate the brain of somebody who was in the podcast last uh, last recording. Exactly. <laughs> it would explain why the back of my head is so bloody. Yeah. <laughs> and holy. And holy. So yeah, so uh, the last episode there, we just dealt with all the more uh, esoteric and mysterious aspects of the Imperium. I think we looked at a couple of uh, sites as well, so a couple of locations, uh, mm. like the uh, the Lorelei crystals. Do you remember what Lorelei crystals oh, yeah. were? Oh yeah, that's the tarot deck, isn't it? Mm. Uh, nope. Oh, you wouldn't let it Lorelei. <laughs> you wouldn't let Lorelei. <laughs> Literally. Oh, no, it's it, these are the these are the Kyber crystal equivalents uh, within 40k. They're it's the crystals uh, that create force weapons and allow psychic oh, powers to be yeah, processed yeah. through machines. The focused, focused yeah. psychic energy, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. And then we looked at something uh, Chris already referred to: the Omega Vault. Omega Vault. Vault. Discuss. <laughs> Right, Crow. Uh, okay, so I've got this. It is. It's a vault. It's um. Nope. It it's <laughs> it's filled. <laughs> it's filled with like a some sort of toxic thing that kills everything but humans, which is really quite amazing because there are a lot of things in the forty k universe that seem dramatically more resilient than human beings. Um, mm. But yeah, apparently they all die in this vault if they they gain access. It opens up at various points in. Uh, time and really opportune moments exactly it's like the emperor is going to meet the mechanicum for the first time the vault opens and there is a spoon and yuri geller in a stasis field and yuri geller teaches him how to bend spoons and then he goes and he makes that alliance so yeah stuff like that why do i even fucking bother (laughs) <laughs> i know you bother I know, because right? of these very moments because l- look at your students reciting yeah. this knowledge you're such a good tutor and master that's I'm why just, you do it mate i can't i can't tell um, if he's saying that as a good thing or a bad thing though crap like, <laughs> i don't know i either got that hopes. really right or really wrong one of the two <laughs> either way i'm scared um but basically they they robbed the idea off of um foundation series didn't they isaac asimov Jobby, because it's pretty it's much the entire of, yeah. story. Yeah, yeah and no but, one knows who cool. built the vault or when it was built, but it just seems to offer up the solution for any crisis they're in at the moment, which makes me think either someone had the precognition to fill it with the stuff they need, or the vault just has everything ever. Ah, but it. that wasn't Ness. We, there is, so, I think Darren said there was some evidence that it could have been the Adeptus Cronus? Cronus? The or- Ordo Cronus. Yeah. Ordo Cronus. Um, which are the time specialists Peeps. who all disappeared weirdly. So yeah. you know, it could. I like the idea of of disappearing weirdly. Did they just like suddenly <laughs> go? Ah! 
and then vanish. Ooh, that, was bit, that was a bit weird. Like, could have done that. Could have done that more normally. Walking out the door on their hands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. As he just disappeared into thin air, he was just doing jazz hands. He was just going, Wee! <laughs> bam, gone. That was a bit odd. And I think we gave a couple of examples of the things that were found in the vault. What was the oddest one? Was it an upside down pineapple? Something about that. Again, the symbol of swingers, Ben. Why do you know these things so? Because <laughs> you told me last recording. <laughs> it was an astropath frozen in time. He was unfrozen. He sent a psychic message and then died of old age. Chris, go to the head of the class. Yay! Son of a bitch. What was it? Was, was there the another example that you gave us, or was it just no. that one? Damn it. Chris, you're up there on your own. What was the most unusual and only example we gave? <laughs> so by definition, uh, it was both the most unusual and non-unusual at the same time. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Right. I, I thought that was a very good uh, a good um WhatsApp chat back or whatever we're calling these ones. <laughs> it doesn't have a name yet. A I don't think it deserves recap. a name yet. Slap jams. <laughs> um, <laughs> crap, I've, I've got, Dan, I know you're looking for a segue, so I've got this. I've got this. Go on then. Crow. Here it comes. Yeah. Who's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Um, Michelangelo. <laughs> <laughs> and what do they all say? Necromunda. You are <laughs> welcome, Dan. <laughs> Speaking of turtles. <laughs> oh, there we go. The laughter's fake, but the tears are real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, over the past uh, few episodes, we've had a look at the Imperium or aspects of the Imperium of Man um, in some level of uh, summarized detail. But I thought it might be interesting to see what it looks like when all of those aspects come together, perhaps even literally. Um, we're going to look at what life is like on an imperial world and we've chosen let me guess it, it's bollocks <laughs> <laughs> and so concludes the shortest episode <laughs> of late in the lower war thanks for listening and bye <laughs> very much mirroring the life of the uh, imperial citizens this is <laughs> This, this episode is both brutal and short. Um, <laughs> like my penis. <laughs> no way. Like Ben's penis. Say that again. <laughs> so we're going to have a look at... Brutal. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have a look at Necromunda, or as we will now call it, the Chode Planet. Uh, I just love the idea of someone looking at your junk going, Jesus, that's brutal. Uh, and short. And short. <laughs> I tell you what, he's, he's not got much, but when he uses it, he gave me, he made me feel like a right imperial citizen. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, steering back to the topic at hand, I thought we'd have a look at the imperial world of Necromunda. Uh, Dude, this being very much uh, an archetypical 
hive world, so one of the types of planets out in the uh, Imperium, but it does reflect all aspects of Imperial structure uh, and shows what day-to-day life is like for Imperial citizens within the Imperium of Man. The story of Necromunda really begins about 15,000 years ago when it was referred to as uh, Arrhenius Prime. That was when it was discovered during the age of technology. It went through various kind of uh, phases of colonization and development, ending up as its own kind of little mini empire. It was the it was the heart of a kind of concordat that in covered a a half a dozen to a dozen other systems. This was rediscovered during the Great Crusade by accident. Uh, An explorator fleet had some scouts out and they were returning from uh, a battle when they they, uh, discovered, they kind of jumped into the system and were immediately attacked by by the the kind of owning mini-empire. Wow. This was then taken... As they were kind of affronted by this uh, violence, so uh, an invasion fleet headed up by the Imperial Fist Space Marine chapter went through uh, big open negotiations. The uh, the Concordat that held that area of space uh, rejected them quite rudely, and their entire empire was dismantled within two months by 20,000 space marines and uh, a good few million of regular imperial soldiers. This then fell into the Imperium of Man. Shortly uh, thereafter, a number of warp gates, which had already existed, kind of, how would you describe it? Pulsed? Throbbed? I suppose is a a good word to use. Wibbled. Wibbled. And (laughs) what is described as beings of lightning and fire chrome began to destroy the planets of that region of space, rendering them completely desolate uh, and very much uh, desertifying, as in desertification, not turning them into pudding. Uh, Although... With chaos, you never know. You could you can end up with a, a, a pudding planet. Pudding. Lamont, we've already spoke about Jello Planet three two nine. It's where a lot <laughs> of the space marines kind of go for training, isn't it? With, and where they create the Jello fella. Yeah. <laughs> armed with an appetite, a spork, and a can-do attitude. Uh, <laughs> uh, this invasion in quotes was uh, beaten back by the imperial fist at the at the cost of a fair few thousand space marines but the end result was that it was secured arenius prime was once again safely within the imperium of man however it had been ravaged by the kind of warp electrical storms uh, and this verdant beautiful planet ha- was rendered into how would you describe it? Have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah. Mm. That on a planetary scale uh, was what okay. Yikes. Uh, the, the planet... So it went from this kind of uh, paradise, this technological uh, high civilization kind of heaven planet to uh, a desert. Just a uh, bit shit. Just a bit mm. shit. 
because and it and it became it went from uh, uh, Shangri La to a desolate planet because of these Shangri beings of lightning crap. and fire. They just came in and fucked yes. it up. Who are these beings of fire and lightning? Chris, we're clearly going to get to that part. <laughs> well, we can do that right now because it, it, the the because uh, Kratos ruined it. The the <laughs> kind of the take on it is it was either demons of uh, Zinch because of the warp lightning and fire, or it was uh, a happy band of uh, death robots called the Necrons. Um, but it's that whole thing remains unclear. There's kind of conflicting uh, evidence as to uh, who the enemy was. But the end result was the same. Arrhenius Prime was renamed Necromunda uh, because it was a dead planet. Munda being world, planet being... <laughs> Munda being world, planet being planet. So it was world planet. <laughs> it became the dead planet, Necro Munda, um, and was handed over uh, ultimately to the nobility of the Helmwar. 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 History uh, carried on, and we'll, we'll skip a lot of the the kind of broader strokes, and we'll just head to uh, what it is now. Mad Max Fury Road is a really good analogy for what it is. If you can imagine, it's constantly overcast. So think of Mad Max Fury Road, but with Scottish weather. That's what Necromunda is. Um, <laughs> mm, nice. So sandy it, but rainy. Yeah. Like Muddy. every Scottish beach. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> It's more okay. pebbles. We don't really slow do sand. <laughs> so yeah. st- hurts your feet. Yeah, yeah. It's not pleasant. You wouldn't go on holiday there. That's for sure. Well, not twice. Um, so <laughs> the Necromunda is what's referred to as a hive world. So this is the uh, great kind of conical erections that pierce the sky, uh, and are uh, cities that hold. Uh, been caught up on this before, so I'm going to choose my words very carefully here. Is it trillions? Billions of people. (laughs) Is it trillions? I'm just going to make sure. Is it billions, or is it 500? It is billions. uh, One of these smaller hives, um, which is uh, really kind of a vertical, conical city, that's what people should uh, think about, uh, each one of these, even a kind of average one, uh, houses at least five billion people. Uh, and some of the larger ones, like Hive Primus, which is the well, well primary hive, the name's right there, the Ronseal Hive, we'll call it, uh, that has well over ten billion souls living in the in that one area. Mister Chris, all human mixture? Is it kind of a metropolis of different races and? species of life uh, apart from the occasional handful of xenos uh, and one or two small invasions it's entirely human plus abhuman so right. there are there are squats there there are the uh, what's now known as the votan the kind of space dwarves uh, and rattlings uh, knows that 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 that's uh oh yes rattlings yes the word rattlings yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I got caught with Skaven there I was 
there are Ogren there uh, as well. So good showing off, Ben. I could see by the expression on your face. I was like, oh, I remember. I remember a word. We <laughs> all played Dark Tide. It's very easy to cheat at this game. <laughs> Well, you guys have played Dark Tide. My machine won't run it. Uh, yeah, well, so we've all. Let me rephrase. We've all seen the uh, trailers. For, <laughs> yeah. yes, right, yeah. <laughs> we've all heard Modire uh, complain that no one else is playing the Ogren heavy Dark Tide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Kind of uh, extrapolating from the populace of a single hive, the uh, the kind of accepted populace on Necromunda is 100 billion imperial citizens at least. It could be as high as 120 billion. These are all concentrated in these hive cities, and there are numerous uh, versions of these dotted around the the planet. Mr. Chris. Um, you may very well be covering this, but I'll ask it anyway. It's gone from a dead, desolate planet to a hive world. Why did it suddenly get populated, and over how long are we talking? Great question. It will it will have happened over uh, at least two to four thousand years in terms of that initial kick, because of where Necromunda sits. Uh, within the segmentum solar, so that's within the the central kind of segmentum of the Imperium of Man, it is a kind of strategically well-placed planet. Uh, And so there are a number of uh, trade routes, a number of kind of military supply routes that pass through uh, Necromundan space. It was very quickly turned into a, a manufacturing center, not a, um, a forge world, um, but a, a, a pseudo industrial world. So it became, it went from a civilized planet to uh, a death world because nothing existed there to then an industrial planet. There was still a lot of mineral resources there. Uh, and that really uh, was the kind of nail in the coffin uh, for the, the planetary ecosystem. Over 10 millennia, Necromunda has gone from being just a desert, uh, effectively, to being an industrialized hellscape. The entire planet has been ground down uh, there are no kind of mountains of any note other than the hive cities themselves, uh, which effectively are mountains um, or, or man-made mountains. The planet has been kind of drained of its resources and mined of its resources, its original resources, I should say. Uh, and Necromunda uses this, or the imperial house that governs it, uses it to churn out small arms, as in weapons, not tiny prosthetic arms. <laughs> uh, T-Rex. <laughs> little Appendages. T-Rex arms, yeah. <laughs> so while there are innumerable uh, manufactorum, or the factories of the uh, Warhammer world, these are almost exclusively run by the kind of nobility in these hives, not by the Adeptus Mechanicus. And there's uh, some evidence that uh, at least one of the clan houses uh, kills members of the Adeptus Mechanicus on site 
that being the Van Sar. And their great uh, and the reason for that, for their great kind of secret and their fierce independence, is they have an almost fully functional STC um, uh, remaining. Uh, but it it oh. it's wow. like the Holy Grail, isn't it? The the Ooh. Holy Grail of technology within the Imperium. So they they produce weapons that are very high tech compared to what the kind of the basic drudgery uh, of the Imperial forces use. So las guns, autoguns, bolt guns, up to certain types of heavy weapons, those are the primary um, exports of Necromunda. Most of the resources they need are harvested from the, uh, the wastes. Uh, the deserts are not deserts of sand. They're deserts of silica and other minerals that kind of reflect light in a very kind of prismatic way. There are also innumerable settlements out there that have been abandoned, up to and including other hives, and we'll just touch on some of them. But very much a... Yeah, the whole planet is effectively Mad Max plus The Last of Us Plus what else? Plus maybe so not Waterworld, like <laughs> Mud World. So it's the shittest world. theme park in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> two questions. Who had the STC? The Van Sar. It's one of the clan houses. Okay. Sorry. Three questions then. Does the Imperium know that they have it? No. Or is it? A, it's yep. a secret. It's a closely guarded secret by the Van Sar. Okay. Four questions. Um. What do if they have this STC, which has, I, I mean, if it's a f- almost fully complete one, then it it, it houses a, a library of human knowledge, basically. Is that right? And it, and it can, yes, and it yeah. can create yeah. like virtually anything like a new world would need. Why do they only make weapons with it? Why do they only make small arms with it? Uh, the because they don't want to draw attention. If suddenly you've got uh, a, a load of jet bikes flying around. And the Mechanicum yeah. went, oh, or the Mechanicus went, hey, you guys have never shown any kind of right. advanced technologies before. That is not to say they don't have them. They do have them. They do have jet bikes. Uh, they keep them real quiet. Right. Stealth bikes. Yeah. Stealth bikes. Uh, but- In public, they're just like push bikes. They just pedal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just a regular bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rocket on the back, I'm just couriering this too. Yeah. It's it's like reading it's like reading a comic, but inside an encyclopedia, isn't it? Just like <laughs> yeah. just hide it from them. Um well more more, uh, more correctly, it's like reading the schematics for a jet bike inside an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um what do the you said that do the the small arms that they produce are they quite high tech? They are the the kind of they, they're up to the exacting standards of the not only the Mechanicus but also the Departmento uh, Munitorum, which is the department, the Imperial kind of organization that supplies weapons to um, right the um, the Imperial Guard as is. So, they, but also so they're not showing other. their hand. By, by no, creating. not at all. Right, okay. but they, they, but they they do create more advanced technologies and use them in their enforcement of the areas of control. So the gotcha. Vansar, for instance, uh, do have hoverboards, 
So they do have this kind of Wicked. technology they can hover around. Back um, to the future style. Yeah. yeah. They've got they've got um That's the uh, power of love. <laughs> Sing it, crowd. <laughs> yeah. Bear of love. I, I, look, I look forward to your copyright take. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Future, pub style by Christopher Crowley. <laughs> right, okay. One final question. Can I, shut up, Crowell. Can I. Can I ask hey. about the atmosphere? <laughs> yes. Do they have one? <laughs> Do they have one? Yeah. What's the ambiance like? Is it toxic? Yeah. Is it like <laughs> quite friendly? Yeah, it's quite inclusive. Can I ask, <laughs> can I ask about the general vibe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I meant the uh, geishas. Uh, yeah. So in terms of just the planet itself, uh, <laughs> there are several, uh, several dozen... Brush over that. Don't acknowledge that, Dar. There are se- well, yeah. Stop talking about it, Ben. So there are okay. several, <laughs> there are several <laughs> dozen hive cities, um, all of which have shields and outer uh, shielding layer against the the incredibly toxic and poisonous uh, atmosphere that Necromunda has. Um, hive Primus, for instance, which is the the kind of capital hive city is five kilometers high uh, and the it's only kind of like the top third that pierces through this overcast cloud layer which covers the entire planet so above that it's you know sun-filled happy-go-lucky kind of existence although not really and below that cloud layer is a, a a constant kind of stream of or a constant acidic rain mixed with howling sandstorms or dust storms or ash storms depending on where you are on the planet um within a a kind of atmosphere that you would maybe last you know a few minutes if you were breathing it uh open it's it's so It's more kind of incredibly aggressive and carcinogenic than uh, strictly poisonous, although there are areas of the planet where it would kill you within a matter of moments. So almost all human existence occurs within the hive cities. Um, And have there uh, ever been instances in which that kind of shield, I'm assuming that there are like, I don't know, air recycling systems and you know filtration yeah. and you know atmosphere generators in in the cities have there ever been instances in which they've broke down for a city it happens every day uh wow. where okay. the sheer acidicness of the atmosphere and the rain uh, erodes the shielding uh usually on the kind of bulk two-thirds the bottom two-thirds uh, uh and the uh either the storms or the rain gets in it leads to uh corroded uh air pipes it leads to corroded uh water and infrastructure and you know even exposure f- to certain uh, areas of a hive for less than an hour can mean the deaths of tens of thousands of imperial citizens. Jesus. And there's nothing that can be done. They would just be, um, you know, uh, highly poisoned. Collateral damage. 
Yeah. Well, they'd be but turned was, into corpse starch burgers, wouldn't they? <laughs> corpse starch burgers. Yummy. But, uh, but yes, so that atmosphere exists completely around um, the planet. The planet itself is almost completely this kind of silicaized desert, this industrial kind of uh, spoilage. Um, there, there used to be significant bodies of water, but these have slowly been evaporated or uh, polluted, and now it's like a sort of toxic, runny mud uh, that mm. is referred to as the Sump Sea. Uh, it used to be a kind of oceans in size. Uh, yes, in terms of the atmosphere, it is an all-encompassing shit show. Uh, very overcast, incredibly toxic. You, in general, need rebreathers or gas masks or some sort of futuristic scuba gear to be outside of the hives at all. Uh, I mentioned ash storms. These are effectively, they're storms, they're sandstorms, but the sand, replace the sand with razor blade sharp bits of silica and other minerals. Uh, it can strip the flesh from a body in less than a minute. You Jeepers. don't go outside unless you're in a, a armored vehicle, uh, or uh, you can be sure that the take um, a brolly. Yeah, take a brolly, uh, or you can <laughs> An be sure there's a, there is a, in quotes a temperate area you can exist in with just a gas mask, because uh, otherwise you're goners. Um, I'm singing in the silica rain, <laughs> just singing. <laughs> <laughs> that that's not to say that uh, human life does not exist outside of the the hives it absolutely does uh, they uh, anyone who isn't within the hives or isn't uh, doesn't naturally call the hive cities their homes are referred to as ash nomads uh, and they're very ash much nomads. viewed as the kind of the fremen warriors of necromunda they're incredibly oh, right. tough um bordering on Gorgeous. kind of myst mystical abilities to survive although they are uh, technological as as much as any uh, anything else they have trained the kind of natural insectoid fauna that lives within uh, the wildlife in quotes of necromunda uh, where they ride insects into battle very cool. much like the hippogriff uh, riding guy we know from another podcast um, <laughs> and there are also like beast masters uh, where they control packs of these insectoid scurriers that can decimate uh, human troops before launching any further i should say everything i'm discussing in terms of uh, individual aspects or troops or uh, creatures is available as a miniature to play in the game of Necromunda. Necromunda cool. has been so developed because it is a game. It is a, a, a kind of a separate 40k-based game, um, currently in its second or third iteration, hmm. and, is, and is great, and the miniatures are fantastic. I highly recommend it. Mr. Chris? Um, so there are kind of native life forms that originate from Necromunda. They are insectoid, invertebrate-style creatures, though. There's nothing, there's no, like, mammalian-type stuff. Certainly no. <laughs> 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 Had enough, mate. 
<laughs> it's gone. <laughs> For listeners, just mid-record, like Dara's got um, soundproofing all over the walls, and just sporadically, it just decides it's done with being on the wall. <laughs> it's just like I'm leaving <laughs> via the camera. <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, bonk. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, Chris, great uh, point. These are creatures that have become native. Uh, I think they were introduced at some point in the past and have evolved okay. to that stage because when uh, Aranius Prime, uh, as was, uh, was uh, decimated by the kind of warp lightning of the mysterious invaders, nothing survived. It was as if they had dropped a virus bomb on the you know the exterminatus style virus bomb on the planet it was the same effect wow. nothing living that wasn't hunkered down in bunkers i really like the way that a, a bunker hunking a hunker bunker hunking yeah. <laughs> hunker bunker chunker munker bunker <laughs> <laughs> necromunda dude necromunda. um <laughs> necromunda um, but yes there there are beasts on the planet that can be uh, tamed or uh, suborned into either beasts of burden or steeds or what have you. And these can include mysteriously large beasts uh, that can, um, almost like the sandworms of Dune style size, but they're very few and far between. So in terms of uh, the actual hives where people exist, I'll give you a few examples of them and touch on a few aspects of the, the world at the same time. If we look at something like uh, a, a hive called Acropolis, that is a merchant kind of trade hub. It's still a hive. It's still enormous. Uh, and we'll talk about the kind of internal structure structure of these things shortly. But you have this kind of centralized conical conurbation of industrialized and you know residential areas surrounded by shanty towns so you have all these kind of tent uh almost like the what, what i'm going to mispronounce it here in um south america flavelas the uh do you know what i'm referring to the big, yes there we go i, I knew I oh, yeah. it um, yeah, yeah, yes. so you yeah. have these uh these ad hoc you know townships uh some go some completely surround the base of a hive as it does with acropolis which makes it look like a blackhead or a spot or a zit whatever the correct uh, and boil uh, term is a boil yeah so <laughs> you have this hive surrounded by this kind of inflammation of flappy tents and um uh, townships and trade uh, areas are they within the shield no, they are outside of the shield, and I was just about to say there is seasonally uh, almost uh, all of them are blown completely away. So it's constantly being rebuilt, and oh, wow. the bodies are absorbed by an organization which will uh, cover anon. Acropolis is incredibly affluent because of the trade that passes through. Uh, this is trade internal to Necromunda itself. Necromunda requires, because it has no arable land whatsoever it, uh, and no capacity to produce anything that could sustain life outside of life support systems in the broadest sense, like air conditioning units, uh, water reclamation units, that kind of idea, 
anything that can't be made on Necromunda has to be imported. And it passes through something called the Ring of Selene, which is an orbital trade uh, dock, um, which almost completely surrounds the planet, very much like the Rings of Saturn. Uh, and the cool. biggest station on that is called the Eye of Selene. Uh, so it's a, a, a huge space station, a trade hub, a space dock, where there's a constant stream of uh, produce and goods coming in. Uh, and then it, the traders take the small arms and weapons or whatever other kind of uh, small good is made on the planet to you know, take it off to either deliver to the Munitorum or to uh, independent rogue traders or, or, or. Do they trade just raw minerals as well? Uh, sometimes, uh, but in very rare cases, uh, the Imperial House, as the, the House of Helmwar, who is the planetary governor, Gerontius Helmwar is the current uh, Imperial governor of Necromunda. Amazing. And he is what very time. kind of avaricious in terms of his desire to keep control of the planet because his family was entrusted with it and has generated a level of wealth that we ourselves, even the richest person here on this planet, could not imagine the level of wealth. Because with every transaction that happens on the Ring of Selene, uh, planetary uh, and interstellar trade, the house gets a cut. Taxes, um, baby. So Amazing. you Taxes. can imagine, yeah, there's... Tens of thousands of shipments are processed every day. And from each of them, they'll either get, you know, payment in kind or uh, a, a an amount of imperial credits or influence or however else they decide to uh, tax. But is that money then, you know, is it like a tax that's then needed for kind of upkeep and maintenance and whatnot? Is, that, is there still very great overheads uh, in terms of, you know, the maintenance of Necromunda? Ish. Is my answer. Uh, the the kind of hierarchy of Necromunda is feudal in nature, as it is on most imperial planets. So you've got the, the imperial house, and then under them, you've got what's referred to as the great houses. Uh, and, and there are six great houses named uh, within the game of Necromunda. But these appear as kind of uh, deus ex machina style organizations these are the kind of high-born nobles of the imperium of necromunda um and they you know some of the houses you've got house grime house ulanti very exotic sounding names for brutal uh people in how they view their fellow imperial citizens most of the great houses uh, are vying for position to be able to take over when House Helmwar eventually falls. And House Helmwar is giving uh, kind of conflicting instructions to individual houses and is making house the kind of areas of responsibility of each house kind of overlap so that there's the houses are focused on each other rather than the Imperial House. And thus stability is maintained within within the planet and its kind of organization. Mr. Chris. House Helmwar, are they inevitably going to collapse and someone will have to take their place? Or are they just hoping they will? Is that kind of the, is it is it a desire or is it an inevitability? Well I think it's it's a 
desire that everyone is working towards. So individual houses are trying to jockey for position to be able to take out um, uh, aspects of the house. So there's constant assassinations uh, on, you know, for and against various houses. You have entire sections of the hive will be sabotaged because that area is under the influence of a certain great house uh, and thus weakens their position, weakens their areas of responsibility um, and really uh, impacts what they can do for the imperial house. Like, what is it they do? What is their function within Necromunda? Because appointed by the emperor effectively house helmoir is the you know is seen as the kind of how would you say the divinely touched right mm. to rule and so any forces of the larger imperium that are on necromunda and there are a fair few are loyal to their own structure their own imperium structure first and foremost but they recognize the divine right of the imperial house to rule necromunda and will come down like a fucking ton of bricks uh, or a mm. ton of hives who can say on anyone that kind of challenges the rule or challenges the status quo so it's you know it's money talks really so you know the imperial tithe for necromunda is quite high in terms of produced goods uh, weapons uh, primarily, but also every now and then they have to tithe up entire regiments, such as like the Necromunda Spiders. It's the eighth regiment. A spider is the kind of symbol of Necromunda, not only in terms of its uh, tenacity, but also the kind of web of intrigue that the planet sits in uh, within the kind of vying for power of the houses. Um, cool. Any disruption to trade means death so gotcha death caught yeah so the imperium uh or sorry the imperial house uh, house helmoir effectively shoots first then shoots again then thinks about asking a question while shooting and then asks the question yeah that's <laughs> yeah. really the process they and go then through. shoots whoever answers shoots whoever answers yeah <laughs> But but we I mentioned there that there are other aspects of the Imperium on the planet. So Hive Temenos is really the ecclesiarchy. That's where the kind of center of the Imperial faith on Necromunda is within that hive. There's uh, you know the associated the associated clergy, but also there's a, a priory of Sisters of Battle on Necromunda. Cool. And that hive is in a constant state of inquisition. Uh, one can imagine everyone who is not professing their faith, A, enough, or B, in the correct way, is simply burned. There are constant pyres of heretics. Sounds uh, reasonable. In and around hive uh, terminus. So, uh, and But that's what you have to understand is that a standard imperial citizen is a factory worker uh, uh, or a miner, you know, uh, as in a coal miner, not a child. Although some of them <laughs> are kids. Uh, they, I have a question so, on that. Kids, how yeah. is this ridiculous population of, I think you said something like a hundred gazillion trillion? A hundred, a hundred billion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Um, are the is the population, you know, 
grown in the same way that it is, you know, naturally elsewhere? And uh, if I, so, is there something wrong with these people? Like, why would they bring a child into that kind of environment? Well, uh, really, there's there's a few questions there, but we'll, we'll answer them as best I can. Uh, yes, sex still happens. I'm guessing that's the core of your question because mm-hmm. that's your main interest. Where did uh, babies the- come from? <laughs> <laughs> Only because it's such a mystery to me, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) It's seen as a divine imperative. Humanity has a manifest (laughs) destiny to take over the Imperium. Fuck for the Imperium. (laughs) Basically, yes. Amazing. Humanity has to constantly grow and expand in the face of the existential horror of uh, existence in the 41st millennium. So it's seen as an absolute necessity, a necessity. (laughs) So you have things, if you recall, when we did the Sisters of Battle, we talked about the Order Famulus, which is the kind of Bene Gesserit style organization within the the ecclesiarchy that tracks bloodlines and so forth. So that happens for the nobility. Each great house needs a population to be able to produce goods via their uh, factories. So they encourage um, that kind of uh, shameful vertical and horizontal dancing uh, (laughs) to produce children uh, and so forth. So, you know, the circle of life, Hakuna Matata, basically is the the battle cry of the horny in uh, in (laughs) for the emperor i think i think hakuna matata means don't worry not hump for the imperium (laughs) well listen to me the question was are they worried about bringing kids into this hellscape yeah hakuna matata okay right okay (laughs) don't worry about it it's fine but there are other methods of procreation available to them, and we, we'll touch uh, on perhaps the Dalak, uh, and because um, there is talk of cloning within that great house, oh. uh, which may or may not be true. If you actually find out the answer, a Dalak will appear from the shadow and blow your head off. So we'll draw there, uh, and um, we'll move on. Oh um, yes, in terms of day-to-day existence for people within the uh, Temenos hive. Yes, it's religious persecution day in, day out. uh, When you're not working, you're praying, uh, uh, but you can't pray too much. If you recall, you can't spend too much time praying because otherwise people will think you're avoiding work, uh, in which case you die. What an awesome life. What a... What an awesome life. Yeah. Did, what did you say the name of that cloning family was called? The Delac. Delac. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll touch on another few uh, of the hives, and then we'll deal with the kind of hive primus, the core hive. Necromunda has not been uh, untouched by Xenos influence uh, in terms of invasion and raids. Necromunda has been, in the past, invaded by orcs, and we all know how difficult it is to get rid of orcs uh, once they're upon your, uh, uh, upon your person, in terms of planets. So there is a ruined hive called the Skull, which is one of the many instances of a hive being bombarded so much that the central spire collapses either straight into, straight down into the hive, and detonates 
killing billions or topples off um, and killing kind billions. of rolls nearby killing billions. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the hive was invaded by orcs. Orc raiders crashed into the hive effectively uh, and began orking up the place uh, you know, to their heart's content. This then saw the return of the Imperial Fists, the Space Marine chapter. They uh, landed back on the planet and in very short order destroyed the hive, almost guaranteeing the complete destruction of the orcs. But every now and then, there's a little sporing uh, of, um, of uh, orcish uh, badness. Mr. Chris. The Imperial Fist came in, destroyed the hive. Was that kind yep. of like fight fire with fire? Let's purge this place. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like this is just the, uh, the only solution to this, as far as we can see, is just destroy the hive. Otherwise, the orcs are just going to keep coming at it again and again. Exactly right. Necromunda okay. is such a vital world in terms of military supremacy in the sectors and segments around it that they have a zero zero tolerance policy uh, on anything that might disrupt that influence mr ben um why do the imperial fists have such an interest in necromunda why have they why is it not another uh chapter or legion uh because it was so tied to uh, a the history of the imperial fists in terms of it was it was their aspect of the great crusade that conquered that region of space it was their chapter that sacrificed so many of their own uh, battle brothers to close all those warp gates and uh try and protect uh, such a vital strategic area, but also its relative closeness to Terra. So Necromunda is, galactically speaking, next door to the, the home oh, of the uh, Imperial Fists. Given the level of fighting that happened when the Orc Raiders were being uh, culled or repulsed, um, the Imperial Fists were so taken with the savagery uh, of the gangs uh, within Necromunda that they uh, petitioned for and were granted the right to recruit Space Marine, you know, uh, Space Marine neophytes, the, uh, the, the kind of young men that uh, grew up to be Space Marines after going through Dr. Rick Niviera's process of improvement um <laughs> so the imperial fists only recruit from two worlds their home world the primarch's home world of inwit but also necromunda so that the the destruction of the skull the hive uh, and the uh, eradication of the orcs uh, that was when uh, an Imperial Fist Fortress Monastery was set up on Necromunda. It's part of Necromundan uh, geography, uh, tied as it is to the Hive Primus, the, the kind of capital hive. Mr. Ben. Question for Chris. Who is the Primarch of the Imperial Fist? Um... <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Clack, 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 clack. Is it... <laughs> Rabuti Guleman or Rogel Dawn or oh, he's got it as a second guess. It was Roger Dorn. Dorn. Yep. 
Roger, it was Roger, Roger Daltrey. Daltrey. Fantastic. Okay. Got it. Yeah, 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 well yeah. done, mate. Well done. There what is a, a, another kind of Xenos element infected the uh, what's referred to as Hive Secundus, which was the second uh, largest hive on the planet after Hive Primus. Um, and this was the Gene Stealer Cults, uh, a Tyranid uh, life form infected the, the populace of uh, Hive Secundus in a very kind of penetrated DNA kind of way. Uh, effectively, and we'll cover these separately when we, we talk about uh, Gene Stealer Cults, uh, a, a Gene Stealer is an alien-style life form, as in from the movie Alien. But instead of this curved head, they've got like this bulbous, uh, weird-looking human head that has a, an, what's referred to as an oviposter, which is a tongue that lays an egg of genetic material in your body. And once it's in you, it yikes warps your reproductive uh, cells. So when you uh, give birth, if, if an infected person has a child, uh, that becomes a hybrid of the gene stealer and a human. And that process continues until the great-great-grandchild of the original alien appears to be completely human, except for a couple of little knobbly bits on the forehead. But then their child, that, that fourth generation, their child, any kids they have, are what's referred to as pure strain gene stealers. That's the original monstrous construct that infected uh, the populace in the first place. Um, Sorry, can you talk us through that cycle again? Because mm. that so the the great grandchild. No, I, I'm uh, doing it in terms of generation. So the original alien infects a person. Person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That person Man or has a child. Man or woman, doesn't matter. Okay. When okay. that person has a child, uh, the yep. uh, woman gives birth to what's referred to as the uh, first generation. And that looks like a gene stealer merged a little bit with a human. And then when that one has a child, they produce a second generation, which still looks very alieny, but a little bit more human. And then the third generation with a bit of kind of, uh, uh, kind of wearing a special hat and covering up their perhaps mutated arms or claws can pass for a human. And then their child, a fourth generation, will pass for a human. But that fourth generation, if they have a child, it's the original monster. It looks like the original monstrous alien. What? Um, the thing to bear in mind, Chris, wow. Chris, I see your hand. I see your hand, my friend. Uh, it, the thing to bear in mind is through all of this, they are intensely hypnotic creatures in terms of it's this monstrous fucking alien hybrid that's putting the Casanova moves on a regular human and does so through hypnotic suggestion to be able to gotcha. yeah basically okay. was, they yeah. psycho psychological rohypnol is what we're talking about here uh to yeah. uh, create i'm learning so much yeah. i am learning so yeah. sex is such a mystery because <laughs> you would assume that uh once someone's infected and they give birth to for lack of a better term an abomination that yeah. that's probably frowned upon or it's not it's not exactly what you want so they would probably be ousted or they would avoid having children or something like that but there's something i mean i doubt, I doubt which... these children are being had in 
in NHS hospitals. Do sure. you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. is is it more like back alley sort of pregnancies? <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, back back hive. Right. Yeah, back hive uh, um, apothecary shops. The the danger with gene Yikes. stealers is because they are so psychically active in terms of suppression and stealth um, that. Over several generations, you can get hundreds and thousands of these uh, hybrids. Uh, and what ends up happening is the, they form a kind of cult where the leadership will start placing fourth generation hybrids within areas of kind of influence. So you see a lot of uh, militaries are taken over from within as certain generals or commanders are replaced with cool. these um uh, fourth generation hybrids are promoted within that organization. And, and the true danger is once they reach a kind of tipping point within the populace, the original alien, the original gene stealer, referred to as a patriarch, which is weird given that they're genderless, uh, they mm. activate a psychic beacon or they generate a psychic beacon within uh, their own body. And that attracts a tyrannid fleet which will then just hoover the entire planet of anything biological. Um, wow. So, so yeah. they're in it for the long game. And, and are, they, are they positioning the, the, the fourth-gen gene stealers in those positions to, to, to help with that? Yeah, yeah, to, ham that to, hamper, to hamper any resistance. Mr. Chris. Right. Um, you said they're quite psychically active. So, do yes. uh, people like Sisters of Silence can they hunt out, sniff out gene stealers? Sneelers? Steelers? Sneelers. Gene sneakers. Gene sneezers. Yeah. So, no, the Sisters of Silence are sent in to suppress psychers rather than hunt them out, even though they are used to hunt them out uh, in an Fair investigative... Enough, but could they can... suppress the psychic abilities of gene stealers yes, as absolutely. easily as they could? Yeah, okay. Yes, absolutely. Can the Sisters of Silence sense psychic energy? Or does their effect is their effect so nullifying that it cancels it before they're like, oh god, that guy's a psyker? Do you know what I mean? If you put a Sister of Silence in a room with a, a fourth gen, is she going to be like... Well, you're clearly an alien. I can tell by your bulbous head. <laughs> your yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing your to do with Get out of here, you Klingon. <laughs> um, it's, it's a great question. Uh, uh, the, the default answer is no. They can't sense psychic powers. There may be a handful right. of exceptions to that, but in general, they're sent in to investigate the kind of the the kind of secondary context of psychers, like oh, this area here, this group of people is acting strangely. Uh, they might be under the influence of a psyker, so we'll send in someone to have oh, a look true. at and track through the kind of command structure. Interesting, interesting. Anyway, back back to Hive Secundus. It was revealed uh, just in time that it was uh, they had been penetrated by gene stealer cults. Uh, at which stage an entire system of trenches was dug around this hive and it was uh, bombarded by their own planetary battery. Uh, so missiles that would be used to take out void ships and battle cruisers were just launched at this singular hive, which was completely destroyed. 
in a very kind of proper post-apocalyptic looking fashion. It's just the ribs of, you know, and uh, superstructure of this hive poking out of a blasted kind of silica desert wasteland. They did <laughs> why not. Did they, why did they dig the ditch? They, they, well, they, drew, they dug a trench system, like trench warfare, around the hive so that nothing could get out. Because even one oh, gene see, stealer right. cultist who could get out could restart the cult from scratch. Nice. That battle still wages. There's still that defensive network is still manned by the planetary defense force uh, of the Imperial House, uh, supported as is every now and then by a strike force of Imperial Fists or from the Sisters of Battle. Um, so, yes, Amazing. very much. Um, uh, a lot of it, it's very busy. The planet is very busy in terms mm. of things going on. Sounds like uh, you've got 10 billion people on it. I mean, well, yeah. Um, something happened. Yeah. So the final hive I would just want to touch on is something called Hive Mortis, uh, where within a, few within a few centuries, Hive Mortis was effectively depopulated. It, uh, the, uh, a hive of six to seven billion people was turned into a tomb due to a plague where people were sort of zombified, but all oh. fell ill and died. It was, they managed to contain it again through aggressive kind of quarantine. Uh, and when they uh, find, when all went quiet within Hive Mortis, they went in to see if there was any survivors or could they track the source of this kind of stuff. No survivors, no evidence of anything unnatural was released to the kind of uh, the, the wider public. But Hive Mortis is now mined by the corpse guilds they go in and uh, explore the hive open up literal veins of corpses in various settlements and towns and then process those bodies into corpse starch through which they feed Shit. to the rest of the of the planet does that then rent does that kind of nullify the effects of the plague I'm yes. guessing the the, yeah, the, right. the okay. short answer is yes. The longer answer is every now and then yes. you get this kind of uh, thing flares up, uh, but it's very, very rare. But when it happens, it, it, it it's very much like 28 Days Later Zombies uh, will uh, occur. All right, that's pretty yeah. cool. But that's pretty cool. Let's not skirt over the fact that there is an entire hive that they treat as a can of food where bodies are uh, mined effectively from the ruins of a, of a, of a tomb hive. And um, when you're um, uh, uh, producing corpse starch, does it matter how old the corpse is? It could be a day old. It could be 20 years old. Yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter okay. at all. What you, you, what Gross. you have to remember as well is that all of these hives are sealed they're behind these shield walls and so they're mm. effectively hermetically sealed so yeah. uh, there's a lot of uh, fresh corpse goodness uh, still mm -hmm. to be had mm -hmm. right. in hive uh, hive mortis which really why would you name a hive that that's just you're asking for trouble yeah they've all got kind of deathy names haven't they like necromunda and well that mortis is the planet and then other, <laughs> other famous hives like necro this deathy necro deathy that deathy death tower deathy death tower you know um not alive 
un, un bungalow. Un Auntie Life <laughs> Street. <laughs> Anti bungalow. <laughs> Morgsville. We're just going to draw a bill. <laughs> Morgsville. <laughs> <Morgville>. <laughs> <Cadaver> Village. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Overseers of Necromunda, is this the sound of your standard work shift? Are you concerned that while productivity may be up, existential suffering is down? The great Lord Helmwar has heard your pleas, and provides for you now a collection of 712 songs of devotional fear. Replace the trivial utterances of your workforce with whip-assisted silence as 85 hours of ministerum-approved work hymns give praise to the God-Emperor and the worthlessness of your workforce. Punctuate your workshops with memorable hymns such as Chains of Faith, Helmwar's Iron Grip, The Creed of Eternal Obedience, and many more. House Helmwar's Songs of Devotional Fear. You mean nothing. So what I thought we'd do uh, now is just have a quick look at Hive Primus, which is the capital hive of Necromunda. And really, the entirety of the existence in Necromunda can be encapsulated in this one hive. Hive structures are, in general, geothermic. Most of their power comes from heat that's drawn up from the planet's core. So they have this huge... A hollow column going down into the uh, through the crust, and that's referred to as the sink. Each hive has one of those at its core. It's built around that very, very slowly, uh, and over millennia, it's what gives it this kind of circular, conical uh, appearance. The hive primus is a little under six kilometers high, or what would that be for our uh, imperial friends? Three, uh, four miles. Three, yeah, four. We'll call it four miles uh, in height. Um, so much. It's so tall that it it has orbital docks at the top, or low orbital docks at the very top. So void craft can actually come into the upper atmosphere, uh, dock, and then leave again. Uh, and this is useful for units such as the Imperial Fists, whose fortress monastery is on the upper spire of the Primus Hive. So we can divide uh, Hive Primus into, really into thirds, but it's unequal thirds. There's three separate areas that are quite important. We have the upper spire at the very tip top. That is clear of all pollution. It's sunny, good, happy, fun times constantly up there. That's where the members of uh, House Helmwar live in unbelievable luxury. To them, you know, a hive is collapsed and billions are dead. How irritating. That would be their that would be their attitude. Uh, how irritating, but where's my gin and tonic? Convenient. Yeah. How inconvenient. Um, <laughs> how inconvenient. Have the boy lay out my formal shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and by boy I mean you. You lay out my fortune. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really is it is the literal, literal pinnacle of power, figuratively and literally, for Necromunda. That's where 
Gerontius, Gerontius Helmoir lives <laughs> and controls where Geronimo lives and uh, controls <laughs> Necromunda. Below that, below the upper spire, we have the spire, which is the piece of the hive that is above the, it's from the, the, the top of the kind of overcast cloud coverage into low orbit. And that's where the nobility live. That's where the uh, kind of movers and shakers of Necromundan nobility exist. We've touched on some of them already. The House Grime, House Ulanti, House Ranlo, House Coal Iron. And each of these has an area of responsibility given to them or decreed that they have to uh, look after by the Imperial House. And that can be manufacture, it can be law enforcement, it can be planetary defense, it can be chemicals, uh, all of the kind of raw materials, all of the goods that are produced, and the security that all of these need. Their wealth is, again, I'd say, perhaps slightly above the kind of richest person on planet Earth, but not too far above that. They're still cowed by the uh, the wealth and power of the imperial house. What you'll find is that in the spire, that's where all the kind of ambassadors of other systems and of the imperium at large exist as well. So the Space Marine Fortress Monastery is built upon the spire. Various members of the ecclesiarchy will be there as well as the Munitorum of Adaptus Terra. You'll get the occasional Inquisitor coming through, albeit quietly, and uh, various members of the Imperial Guard will be there to uh, make sure recruitment is up to scratch and training and so forth. So that's very much uh, an outward-looking existence uh, within the Necromundan world. It's where you're interacting with everyone from the Imperium, and as I say, from other systems, rogue traders, that kind of idea. You then have something called the Wall, and that's really a, uh, a you know... Wall. A, a wall. <laughs> it's a, a disc of, you know, unobtainium that um, separates the Spire from the Hive City proper. And the Hive City is where all the factories are. It's where the production uh, is carried out. It's where it's the all the end. it's where the yeah it's the vast majority of all uh, humans within the spire exist, uh, and they exist within a gang culture, a gang warfare. But these gangs are part of what's referred to as the clan houses, and there are six of those clan houses that mirror uh, or answer to one of the six of the great houses who in turn answer to the Imperial House. So these six houses are, in the Necromunda game, you play a gang belonging to one of these six houses. And uh, the level of detail that they have written for them is staggering and also outside the brief of this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the six houses each reflect some aspect of Necromundan culture. Uh, and I thought it might just be quite interesting just to to touch on them. So House Cawdor uh, are the kind of frothing faithful of Necromunda. These are the ones that have bought into the Humano supremacy, uh, Imperial faith, hook, line and sinker. They are constantly on the lookout for heretics. 
their weapons. They all, everyone carries weapons, uh, but their weapons are usually like a, a machine gun that is underslung with a flamethrower because you never know when you might, you might need to toast a psyker or a mutant or someone you don't like. Um, 100%. 100%. Never leave home without it. <laughs> so they, they, the kind of extreme end of the cod or gangs are what's referred to as the redemptionists. And I think we touched on these when we covered the ecclesiarchy. These are the uh, the Spanish Inquisition of the, incle- of the ecclesiarchy, or the Inquisition of the ecclesiarchy. These are the rabbles that are roused and, you know, mob justice, and they will burn an entire township down to get one individual. Uh, they don't care about uh, killing the faithful of the emperor because the emperor knows his own and they should kill whoever they want. I should point out at this stage, we've just dealt with House Corridor, that all of these houses engage in constant gang warfare and also are responsible for managing almost all of the production within the hive. Um, So when there is gang warfare, these turf wars are about taking over factories, taking over areas where there might be, uh, you know, lost technology, um, taking over new areas that are uncovered uh, as it comes out so they can increase their own influence and increase the capacity to produce goods and thus be seen in a good light by the imperial house and the great houses. Um, Sorry, did you say that there are six great houses and then six gang houses? And yes, six clan each, houses. Each yeah. one is affiliated with one of the six. E- each one has business dealings with the other, yes. Right. Uh, the uh, gangs uh, are kind of, so, they do the dirty work of the noble houses, is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Got it. So, yeah. you yeah. know, so an order might come down from the imperial house that they want to see an increase in production of, you know, commodity X. There are two great houses that will produce some aspect of Commodity X. So one will get its clan house to try and take out the resources of the other clan house. And thus they're able to produce Commodity X and the other is unable or to meet their quota. And thus they will lose influence. The other will gain no uh, influence. Uh, That is day-to-day existence uh, in the politics of uh, of the great houses. So uh, we'll batter through these. Uh, house Delac uh, is seen as a very kind of stealthy house. They all dress like bald Neo from the Matrix, if Neo was <laughs> bald. It's all trench coats uh, and possibly cloning. Uh, best not to uh, to uh, delve too deep into that. Their, their primary uh, resource is information. These are the kind of info brokers of the, the planet in addition to being gangs that manage factories and so forth. House Escher, Clan House Escher, these are the Amazon warriors of uh, Necromunda. Uh, They are almost all exclusively female, being produced in a very esoteric fashion. Every now and then there is a male who's born, uh, but they are emaciated and imbecilic. That is a direct quote from the Necromunda uh, rulebook. Imbecilic males in the house of uh, Snoo Snoo. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to your letters. Um, but they are um, chemists of unbelievable uh, skill. They produce all the narcotics and medicinal systems for 
for Necromunda, either for their own consumption, for their sale, or for exports off-world. Are they balmy because of all the chemicals and fumes that they deal with? Uh, no, but they're able to oh. bring their own. They're they're able to bring people back from the dead if they get to them within enough time and reanimate wow. their bodies. And there's some evidence that at least at least once they artificially created a pariah uh, because a person came back with no soul. And when I say a person, I mean an Amazon. But they're also uh, they're very accomplished uh, beastmasters. They have a, a range of panther-like Xenos life forms that they control uh, and uh, savage their opponents. Their natural rivals is what's referred to as House Goliath. And this is a new house in, in the grand scheme of things. It's a couple of thousand years old because they were artificially created. They were a part of a eugenics experiment to create the perfect worker. And so they're all, uh, these are all muscle bound men that put, you know, they would put Arnold Schwarzenegger to shame in terms of their uh, strength uh, and physique. They're not seen as being particularly intelligent. They are brutes uh, in a kind of high-level way or high-level way of describing them. Uh, they do. There are female Goliaths, but in general, might makes right. Uh, and because of all the uh, steroids, in quotes, that they take, uh, it's usually the men that are in charge of these uh, gangs. Uh, interestingly, a lot of them have mohawks, and the leaders have mohawks that are chainsaws. So they have a steel <laughs> mohawk that is a chainsaw that they use for headbutting people. That seems Excellent. annoying. Yeah. yeah. How do you sleep with that? It's a lot of shredded <laughs> pillows, isn't it? <laughs> um, Don't even get into spooning. <laughs> <laughs> we then uh, touch on uh, House Orlock, who are quite accomplished uh, weapons manufacturers. Their aesthetic is a motorcycle gang. That's effectively the Sons of Anarchy writ large is what House Orlock is. They um, have a lot of kind of small vehicles when they go uh, out into the ash wastes. But in general, they're quite good at producing bolt weapons so you get a lot of kind of these uh, elitish weapons within their gangs. But again, very uh, kind of focused on production and protection of resources. The final one we touched on already, the Vansar. These are the ones with the sneaky STC hidden away. Uh, and they, uh, unfortunately, um, the STC is malfunctioning. It's malfunctioning in a certain way that washes their body with radiation. So they have to wear a specialized suit, almost like a still suit from a dune that uh, cleans their blood. And of course, this suit was created with the help of the STC that is killing them. Um, they have <laughs> relatively high-tech weapons when compared to the rest of the populace and um have very much i think one of them looks like a uh, they have a robot access to robots uh, that look like the squiddies from the matrix uh, if you cool. recall the little kind of squiddy things yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but mm. more more in a kind of spidery sense really is far fewer legs um, spider squigs but, squigs squids squids 
those are the the kind of six clan houses, and these are the ones that control not only the hive city within Hive Primus, but also in other hives. They have sent out uh, gangs to take over either areas of other hives or ash wastes, uh, townships. So they are by far the most common force that would be encountered in Necromonde. These are also the ones that are used as enforcers against the general populace of Necromunda. So if you uh, work in a, a factory controlled by House Escher, you will be watched over uh, and disciplined by the gangs of House Escher. Uh, the same for the House uh, uh, Cawdor or Vance, Vansar. Uh, very much, they are the active manage. They're the middle managing gangs of uh, of, of Necromunda, <laughs> uh, just getting in the way an unnecessary layer of of bureaucracy. You know, they oh, just, absolutely, they, 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 and violence. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, and violence. Exactly, and exactly. Violence. There's no need for them, but they're there to justify their paycheck. So they just, you know, what I mean, they do their thing. They do their thing and fight names. against other gangs when they they have to. So the the, the whole of uh, kind of Necromundan security uh, in terms of hive cities is a protection racket. That's really what it is. Wow. Uh, it's mafia fighting it's mafia uh, against a backdrop of giant conical mafia towers. Mafia. Um, <laughs> that is not to say that, that there are not other forces within the hive city and indeed beneath the hive city uh, because mm. of the nature of construction of these hives the central kind of ring at the bottom ha have more often than not collapsed uh, because of the pressure the upper pressure um of the of the rest of the hive forcing down you get what's referred to as the underhive where if you can imagine entire towns and cities just collapsing several hundred feet. And then wow. that's the kind of landscape that you're facing. It's illuminated by either uh, bioluminescent algae and funguses or uh, jury-rigged um, lighting systems. So it's a very kind of twilight, uh, wild west feel, but like industrial, subterranean, post-apocalyptic wild west. Now that's a mouthful. Sounds beautiful, to be honest. <laughs> In there, you still have factories producing stuff. You still have uh, settlements uh, and, and townships. Uh, and that's really the where the most violence, where the most combat happens, because that's also where you get the very occasional outbreak of the plague, which turns you, well, you get plague zombies. It's because the shielding is not really existent in terms of you're really looking at bedrock is what you're the kind of super base of the underhive and thus kind of the water table and moisture. But all of that has been, uh, uh, I was going to say corrupted, all of that has been polluted to a point where it, it will mutate and kill people who expose themselves to it for too long. Uh, wait, that sounded weird. Who are exposed <laughs> to it for too long. You've got flashers, <laughs> mutant flashers with six cops yeah. just going, ah! Um, <laughs> Flash is a very short career down there. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Um, ah! <laughs> you then, e even below that, you have something called 
the uh, the hive bottom, and that's really where just the detritus of thousands of years of existence ends up. And that includes something called the sump, which is this huge underwater kind of area uh, where the natural kind of pollutants uh, and liquids of all of these f- millions of factories producing uh, all their goods ends up. It's the, the kind of poisonous cistern at the bottom of wow. uh, the hive. In all of these areas, there is still mining. There is still resource management going on. There are submersibles that go into the sump to extract uh, valuable minerals from the kind of the, the water-clogged uh, rocks Ugh. at the bottom. Ugh. Yikes. Um, Ugh. And within that, within those areas, you get what you get. What's called scavies. These are gangs of mutants that will uh, kind of raid settlements. Very much the kind of hills have eyes mutants kind of idea. If you've seen those movies, Mm, Um, and also they they have some capacity to control plague zombies. Uh, so every now and then you will get a settlement that will just be overrun with zombies, and then the zombies will uh, die off as the plague naturally ravages their system. Uh, But unfortunately, the disease continues to uh, exist and or be spread. Um, You also get what's called rat skins. uh, And these are rat cultists within the hive primus. Um, the, The original idea for them is based on red skins, the not at all politically incorrect view of uh, Native Americans. <laughs> Wowzers. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so if if you could imagine, try, try to imagine and control your anger, uh, control your righteous anger, uh, that it's an entire culture where you strip out this kind of idea of uh, harmony of nature with worship of a great rat being within uh, the hive. And so... It, these are explorers within the hive. They, they have an understanding of the structure of the hive and indeed, in quotes, the spirit of the hive that makes them incredibly valuable as scouts. But they also raid uh, townships and fight off other gangs and people that perhaps get too close to an area uh, of uh, value to them, either uh, practically or spiritually. Yikes. Um, is it the horned rat? No. It is. It is. It, you're not saying it, but you don't not, need to say it. He, I mean, he's saying S bomb, but what he means yeah. is it's the word, yeah. right, isn't it? It's the S yeah. word, isn't it? It's the ska word. Ska. Yeah. Ska. Yeah. So a lot of these uh, mining operations uh, require specialist uh, equipment or specialist servitors. Servitors still exist, obviously, in the world of Necromunda, uh, but they in general, recruit from two broad areas. One is humans that are cybernetically enhanced, given bionic arms that have drills or hammers or shears or picks or whatever they need uh, to be able to extract uh, ores and other valuable things from rocks. But they also have ogrins who are augmented with uh, power fists or um, picks or tools to be able to, again, uh, either operate machinery or extract ores from uh, extract uh, ores and other valuables from ores uh, the the body of uh, the planet itself. We'll touch on three 
other kind of areas of influence before we'll wrap up. The first being spire hunters, spire gangs of the hive primus. And these are really the kind of dilettante, let's go killing everyone for fun gangs that are part of the kind of noble houses. If you can imagine four kind of broad types of warrior, one is a a wingsuit with a laser gun. The second is a kind of a swordsman style, so a shield and a, a sword. The third is a kind of brutish semi-power-armored warrior who has power fists, but the power fists have bolt guns uh, built into them. And the third is, uh, yeah, the third is effectively techno-predator, as in technology, not in music. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All of these are specific types of suit that a young noble uh, would put on. One or more of them would go down through the wall that separates the spire from the hive city, and they would hunt citizens of the Imperium until they had killed enough that their suit uh, upgrades. So their suit registers how many people they kill, and as they kill more, uh, new areas of technology or augments are unlocked within their suit until they kill, uh, you know, at a, a maximum amount in which at which point they return victorious to their great house above the wall mr chris um the suit that unlocks more and more powerful stuff as they kill more is the suit being fed yeah. b- by the kills that they make or are the, is it like rewarding them it's like it's all here you've just got to earn it and unlock it or does the pa- the suit it- power itself from all these deaths and killings it's a, mi- a mix of both. Sustenance is gained through the, the blood of the people they kill. It's processed within the suit and turned into effectively high-grade kind of fancy corpse starch. But then it also records the number of uh, uh, the volume of death that they're causing. And this is to, or this process really denudes any uh, empathy for the working class from the noble so the noble can manage these kind of large areas and large kind of populous populations without becoming emotionally attached to them they're very much the nobility on necromunda and i won't draw uh, equivalents with our own life are very much the ticks on the <laughs> kind of working masses uh, of the mm. planet but it's it's all about maintaining order and it does they do so through fear. Uh, that's the primary uh, method of uh, enforcement within within the nobility, within Necromunda. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, not you, cool. I mean, not. Right, it's a bit yeah. shit, isn't it? But the suit sounds fucking mad. It sounds like a, it sounds like a video game thing, doesn't it? That's true. It's just the kind of someone's gamified slaughter <laughs> <laughs> like every game available yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of enforcement of the great house's will they do have their own kind of planetary law enforcement called the enforcers uh, called palatine enforcers and these are 
slightly less well trained than the Adeptus Arbites or Arbites, uh, or who are the space FBI. These are the local uh, law enforcement, and they really do have uh, a shoot first, no questions, thank you attitude to dealing with anything that disrupts trade or production. Um, and that's primarily what they're used for. They're used to enforce the will of the imperial house. And this is done really as a kind of motivational terror to get the populace to be able to uh, understand the rules uh, and those that survive that process to maintain a level of output that's required by the imperial house to meet that meet that quota. There is at the front of each of the books of regarding Necromunda, the rule books, and there, there's nine or ten at this stage, they do have the kind of this is the voice of Necromunda kind of <laughs> spiel. So I just thought I'd read uh, just a couple of bits because they're quite amusing. So for the first one... Can we one, drench, um, drench your voice in reverb while you do it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> is the voice of the Necromunda something or other. Subjects of Lord Helmwar, heed now the voice of Necromunda. Productivity in Sector Delta-7 is down by 0.07% since the last cycle. The displeasure of the Imperial House has been exacted upon all those within its environs. Praise be to the benevolence of the Imperial House. <laughs> Blessed news for the inhabitants of Sector Delta-9, adjacent to Sector Delta-7. New domes have been cleared for the use of Delta 9's workers and citizens. As a reward for his beneficent gift, Lord Helmwar has set Delta 9 quotas at plus 90% for the first cycle commencing. Do not disappoint the Imperial House. Wow. Jeepers. What happened to Delta 8? So, oh, that's somewhere else. But so oh, okay, in that example of text, Delta 7, the, the factories and workers of Delta 7, only just failed to meet their quota and were all either killed or pushed out. Uh, and then uh, that room was filled by the expanding kind of workforce of Delta 9, who then had their tides drastically increased to cover the kind of general um, uh, shortfall. Jesus. That is a daily you're occurrence. If you do, you're damned if you don't. Absolutely. And so you either meet your quotas or you're killed. Uh, and, and either you're killed there, or you're kicked out of the hive. And you end up in the underhive, uh, or, uh, or even at hive bottom, where you have to kind of struggle, uh, you know, a hand-to-mouth existence. Or you're kicked out of the hive, where you live in a shanty town, or you try and make it uh, within any of the settlements within the ash waste. It should be pointed out that travel between hives is incredibly dangerous and they use what's referred to as land trains. You know, like the big, like in Australia, you've got these huge uh, mm, articulated like lorries. That, yeah. Road trains, they call them, yeah. Yeah. That writ large, if you think these things are, you know, uh, four times as long and twice as wide uh, and are heavily armed and armored and have machine gun nests on top of every container and they have outriders on bikes or in a kind of dune buggy style vehicles as they go between hives and, and undoubtedly there's some sort of like social uh ecosystem within the trains as well isn't there there's oh like, absolutely there's an under yeah, train catering carts yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> 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 bunks yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. how much for a pack uh, of crisps 
I'm not going to do it anywhere else, are you, man? <laughs> Fuck's sake. But these land trains are constantly under attack by rival gangs. So each land train will be managed by a gang. Another gang from a rival house will try and disrupt it by, you know, basically stealing it uh, or stopping it from getting to where it needs to be. Uh, all of this is done against the kind of Mad Maxi backdrop of the Ash Wastes. Um, and indeed, a lot of the house gangs, the, the clan houses, I apologize. So Escher, Cawdor, uh, Vansar, this kind of thing, have light vehicles that they use uh, to go around and um, defend their kind of assets and territory within the Ash Wastes, and also to combat the Ash Nomad gangs who, you know, ride into battle on their insecty steeds. Um, nice. Are there minis for those guys? The there's nomads? minis for everything I'm describing. Absolutely, wow. yeah. That's yeah. fucking cool. Has anyone ever made like a diorama of like Necrom a Necro Hive City? Or is it? I guess it's probably too ridiculous. I mean, even scaled to... down, it's going to be like a mile high, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've done ten there... billion minis to represent Primus Hivus Maximus. <laughs> it... Okay. <laughs> Games Workshop did release a kind of hexagonal-based map uh, of uh, kind of three D printed pieces, or of game pieces that you could slot together to represent a campaign map for uh, a gaming club's battle. And the hive city piece was a full, a full, fully covered tile that just had this kind of conical uh, cool. city on it, but it just, it looked awesome. It really did look yeah, awesome. Um, the final thing I wanted to just touch on is that there are forces outside of the house structure uh, that still answer to the Imperial House, but uh, they look after largely the infrastructure of Necromunda. So these are the merchant guilds or the Mercator guilds. There are a handful of these that look after the basic uh, survivalist needs of the populace. So you have the Water Guild, the Air Guild, and unfortunately, the Corpse Guild. So the Water Guild deals in the recycling of water and also the transportation of pure water to the planet via the Ring of Selene. Uh, so they import clean, pure drinking water for the Imperial House and the Great Houses. They're also responsible for providing water to any kind of manufacturing facility. So you will have these guildsmen walking around the hives uh, and indeed there are miniatures for them one of them is an ogren who's got loads of water bottles kind of plugged into him <laughs> with uh, the air guild then is responsible for recycling the hermetically sealed air systems within each hive and also to some extent for ensuring that the shield wall still exists and that the noble houses have pure air to uh, you know clean air uh, with which to breathe. The corpse guild then, well, it's kind of self-explanatory, really. These are guilds, these are kind of gangs of guildsmen that go around and collect the dead uh, and bring them to bring the... Bring out the uh, dead. Bring out the dead. To the kind of corpse grinder cults that produce, or rather, that dress, in quotes, the, the meat of humanity uh, into kind of the first pulpy red soup that then is processed into corpse starch uh, through the way. There is a rumor 
uh, or a custom that you never look a member of the corpse guild in the face because you will drop dead. So whenever a corpse guild kind of envoy travels to a township or travels through an area, invariably all the doors and windows are locked and the dead are just laid out in the street for collection, for processing. Uh, <laughs> I'm so not dead they, yet. I'm not dead yet. Bring out your dead. Thursday, I'm dead. corpse collection day. Yeah. yeah. Like Corpse Tuesday. I, always, I, I almost missed that yesterday. I had to run out quite early. And be like, oh, shit, blue bins. <laughs> corpse collection day. Corpse collection. You then get into the kind of true infrastructure or the guilds that manage the true infrastructure of the hive. So you've got the Electro Guild, which deals with the electrical power. Mm -hmm. The Promethean mm -hmm. Guild, which deals with uh, fuel. So petrol, uh, but the petrol used in the Imperium, referred to as Promethean, is a mix between regular petrol and napalm. So it's, it's quite a, a volatile substance. Blamo. You then have what's referred to as the Iron Guild, and they deal in the processing of all scrap within Necromunda. Those three guilds are insanely powerful and insanely wealthy, especially the Iron Guild, because every bit of metal that's sold in markets has to have their stamp. Uh, so if you find something the size of a fingernail, it has to be assessed by a member of the Iron Guild uh, as to its quality uh, and use for uh, forging into one of the many uh, goods that's shipped off the planet. The final couple of guilds there, really, you get the Guild of Coin. So these deal in uh, taxes at ports of entry. That That's really what they do. And they are money lenders as well. Uh, and then finally, the Slave Guild. And this really is a, a quite a distasteful, if one can imagine, against such a backdrop practice of slavery where most of humanity is uh, if not outright slaves are indentured servants uh, to the great houses they have no real sense of free will or really any desire uh, to have that kind of sense of adventure the slave guilds are the ones that produce the uh, the what's called the pit fighters or pit slaves these are the cybernetically enhanced humans that have mining equipment attached to their body either as arms uh, uh, or backpacks or whatever else and these are the ones that are that work the mines that shear metal into the correct sizes for uh, production for other goods uh, and also these are the ones that cybernetically enhance the ogrins and in some instances they replace the ogrin's skull with a, a kind of a very small robot head uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. and that's it <laughs> a head that's too small for the body yeah yeah i mean it's yes, slave guild so, i mean it, the entire city sounds like a slave setup i mean anything yes. below that wall thing is like you're you're a slave dude yeah do they get paid do the, the workers get paid in any way they get just fed like, they get fed they're fed right yeah they get that's fed and they're they're housed in in quotes safety from the right. natural atmosphere of Necromunda. So um, slaves. Yeah. Slaves. I mean, there are citizens who gain a sense of adventure and who then join, either join the gangs outright, or they're either born into the gangs, they join the gang, or they go out on their own as either what's referred to as hive scum. So these are like the gunslingers of uh, the Wild West oh, yeah. uh, and assassins for hire, or 
they become bounty hunters. Uh, so as you can imagine, where even obeying the law is technically against the law, there's a lot of people that uh, need to be brought to justice, in quotes. Uh, and, the, and the bounty hunters take care of most of that. And some of them gang together and uh, operate what's called uh, hunter gangs or venator gangs, which is a gang of bounty hunters that will uh, kind of try and take down larger, stronger enemies. It's very, um, it's very, it's very Warhammer 40k, isn't it? It's like, right, so there's these fucking gangs, man. They are the gangs. But there's these gangs who are also yeah. gangier than those <laughs> gangs. And then it's like, and then even like geographically, it's like you've got like the, un, you know, there's there's the wall and then it's just, there's just the rest of the thing. There's but there gangs. is a bit that's lower and it's yeah. worse. And you think that's bad. You just see what's under and that. And then outside you know? of that, there's more gangs of the yeah. gangs that, that do yeah. the ganging. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of on the edge of stability, isn't it? Like you do have the one, the what? Sorry, the house. Who are the kind of the Imperial House? Is that what you mean? The Imperial House. Yeah, yeah, it's Helmwar. House Helmwar. Helmwar. But there are other houses waiting for their opportunity to jump in there and and usurp them. But then you've also got, as Ben said, like you've got a Venn diagram of all these different kinds of outfits, parties, gangs, posses that are forever changing. Like the, 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 yeah. the, the social picture always seems to be changing. Like they've now taken over this district and over these industries and things like that. And somehow there is still a bit of, there's enough stability to have an infrastructure to support billions of people. I wonder, know, is there economically, food wise, socially, like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, is there like a is there like a news outlet that that like keeps the workers updated? Because because on any given week they could be working for a totally different gang. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, the, the 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 voice of Necromunda, the bit I read, that was um, uh, that yeah, that yeah. is the kind of planetary news, and it's updated every day. That's Just hilarious. another couple of short ones here is that. Um, uh, Average unauthorized gang violence quotient is up 17%. Average <laughs> authorized gang violence is up 12.7%. <laughs> and it That's says, nice. and for both of those, they're tagged as, in contest, are we made strong? So, you know, conflict <laughs> breeds yeah. strength. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which, <laughs> I mean, the obvious question, which house, which gang would you be in? Which oh, the... which gang? Okay, um, I would you like would me to recap be... the gangs? I would like the you kind to of recap ma- the gangs, please. Yes. The main six gangs: Cawdor yeah. are the the frothing faithful. Yeah, the Dalak no. are the uh, information spies. The Eshers are the Amazons. The Goliath are literally Goliaths. The Orlock are the uh, late '90s biker like gangs, bikers, and yeah. the Vansar yeah. are the irradiated um, super soldiers. Yeah, Orlock. Nice. <laughs> You'll be delighted to hear, Chris, that with the the one of the expansions for Necromunda, which is called the Ash Wastes, I think I'll get pilloried if I don't get it right. Um, one of the gangs the uh, one of the gangs is the uh, the ash nomad so you get the insect mm. steeds and the the infantry yeah, warriors yeah, but yeah. the other is the orlocks and they're on quad bikes but it's quad bikes <laughs> with a heavy weapon on the back so it's two orlock <laughs> of course, bikers of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing yeah. 
They say. <laughs> so what about you, Ben? But I do like the the Fremen style dudes. Yeah, the nomads, the Ash yeah. nomads. They sound pretty good. They're yeah, not yeah. at the mercy of fucking the Imperium of Man, are they? They live out. Not really. No, yeah. they're just at the mercy yeah. of everything else. Yeah, but they've managed to live in harmony with everything else. Harmony is in quotes there. Uh, harmony. But it would it would take a lot to to winkle them out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 I think for me, it's going to be either the Vansar, the kind of techno dudes, irradiated techno dudes, or um, the Amazon ones. They just sound bad. Amazon was a close second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though there are no rainforests on Necromunda. But hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you know? What about you? What, what do you know? What do you do? Uh, I kind of, thanks for asking. I kind of like the, uh, the <laughs> either the spire hunters. These are the ones that, that come down and cull the, the, the kind of working oh, yeah. class. Or the Dalak, the information brokers, which is very much a role I fulfill on this fucking podcast. <laughs> I don't like it when you use the word "fucking" in front of this podcast. It I, I beg, I beg your pardon. So, okay. in, so I mean that that's my that's my data dump uh, for Necromunda. What do you think of life in the Imperium? We've now covered, in summary, all of the aspects of the Imperium. I wanted to kind of get out there before we look at other races and other factions. Mm. Imperium thoughts? Nah. <laughs> I hated them at the beginning. I hate them now. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's it's just fucked from top to bottom, isn't it? What's it's, the general it's... vibe of the Imperium? Are the Imperium designed to be loathed and hated, or do, uh, do people absolutely love the Imperium and the Emperor and everything it stands for? Are the proper like uh, nationalist Imperium nationalists in the in the world that are like, yeah, the Imperium, we should take over the galaxy. Yeah, uh, I think I think it, due to the not only the laws of the Imperium uh, and the kind of, uh, what you call it, the kind of totalitarian rule, the fascist rule, plus the associated religious fervor that's encouraged to view the emperor as a god. Everyone has this kind of idea of manifest destiny of humans first, but it's really driven by ignorance, ignorance mm. of anything, anything different, ignorance of any change, a fear of yeah. any change. So they yeah. absolutely do not want anything other than status quo because, you know, that, that's what the emperor was left with after the end of the Horus heresy. So really, it, it's a, you know, it's a, the humanity has become a, a civilization existing in the corpse of an empire that doesn't know it's dead yet. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. How, like how how would you affect how would you effectively manage uh, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of people who are constantly under threat, not just from aliens, not just from demons, but also from themselves, from the greed of sure. the natural greed yeah. of humans? Would you just let them get on with it, or would you uh, really compartmentalize everything, uh, which is what the Imperium does? Sure. Yeah. 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 Mental. Yeah. I Absolutely wouldn't choose to mental. live there, but it's interesting to read about. Uh, yeah. And the kind of short brutality of life. I mean, even if you're, uh, even if you're promoted out of terrestrial life on Necromunda into one of the Imperial Guard regiments or into one of the uh, Space Marine into the one of into the Imperial Fists, you still have a relatively short, brutal life as a warrior. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
but but that's still a relief from the day-to-day drudgery and danger of Necromunda. Going into war after war after war is almost safer than living a normal life on Necromunda. Well, at least you've been given yeah. some sort of you know possibility of survival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The risk is higher, but you know, you're clad in fucking impenetrable armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until you're penetrated. We <laughs> We've got to wrap up. Anything else? Nope. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Oh. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore 40k and sign up today for as little as three pounds where you can see the picture of a hive which darren is trying to show us on the camera this will also <laughs> give you access to our discord server so you can come and tell us exactly what you think of chris and his questionable gang choices Burr. we'll be back again soon displaying just how little chris and i know until then goodbye necromander dudes <laughs> Toodaloo. Toodaloo.